continue our look at our mini-series called Lessons Learned from Jake and Judas. Lessons Learned from Jake and Judas. If you've been here in the past few weeks, we've, uh, we've looked at the two characters of uh, Jake Spoon. Remember Jake Spoon from the movie Lonesome Dove, or the mini-series Lonesome Dove? There's Jake right there. Um, he was the guy that you wanted to feel sorry for, but you knew he had to pay the price. And he and here's what happened with Jake. Jake was a former Texas Ranger. I'll just recap for a second. He's a former Texas Ranger, right? Rode with Captain Call and Gus. I mean, he was one of the three. I mean, he was a tough guy, and he was a, a Texas Ranger. Well, it ends up that he leaves them, and he goes off, and he uh, ends up actually uh, accidentally shooting uh, someone, and he comes back to Lonesome Dove as a fugitive. And uh, he, he uh, is running from the law, and he had accidentally shot the dentist, I think it was. Then he, he comes back a fugitive, and he, and he talks to Woodrow, he talks to, to Gus, and he talks to him about the way Montana was, when he got to see Montana, and he talks to him into going on this cattle drive. But he doesn't commit to going on the cattle drive himself, because he's a lazy, worthless guy, right? No commitment. And uh, after... Um, after he does that, he ends up leaving uh, Gus and them, and he does his own thing, goes gambles uh, and all that stuff. And he ends up getting involved in a horse thief or a gang of cold-blooded murderers. Remember that? I mean, here's Jake. He gets involved in these guys. They steal all the horses, and then they murder some sidebusters. And guess what? Gus and Woodrow come up on these murders, and guess what they decide to do? They decide to hang those thieves. And guess what? Jake was one of them. And so when they catch up with Jake and these horse thieves, Gus and, and Woodrow, they put them all on their horses, they put a noose around their neck, and they hang them all. Except for Jake. Remember Jake? He's on his horse. Gus is fixing to scare his horse or whip his horse to get him to move out from underneath him so he can be hung. And Jake digs his spurs, his own horse, and he commits his own suicide. Listen, that's, that we can learn something from that. And we can also learn from a, another character in the Bible named Judas. Remember Judas? Lessons learned from Jake and Judas. Judas was a, a, a character in the Bible. If you've never heard of him, yeah, Judas Iscariot. He was the betrayer of all betrayers. He he was he had good friends like like Jake did. He walked amongst Jesus. You know he was taught what was right, but he chose to betray rather than believe. Um, and I want to start again uh, by reading the story of Judas. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Matthew twenty six. Uh, verses 14 through 16, and then we'll kind of skip around. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen for you. Matthew 26. And I want to read this, again, to kind of recap what we've already um, uh, talked about, and then we'll dive into some new lessons that we can learn from Jake and Judas. Look at verse 14. It says this. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? He's talking about Jesus, right? They're wanting to betray Jesus. They're wanting to uh, crucify him. And Judas wants to be a part of it. Listen to what he says. He says, So they counted out, um, so they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now skip down to verse 20. It says, when the evening it came, Jesus uh, was reclining at the table with the twelve. At, and while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were all very sad and began to say to him, one after another, surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Sometimes I make those inflections wrong, don't I? <laughs> Can I just point that out about myself? I feel like a doofus when I do that. 
Can I just let you in on my insecurities here? Sometimes I read things and I go, I just read that absolutely wrong. And I know none of you noticed that, but I'm going to point that out. And you're going to notice it from now on. Dad, got it. I'm not reading that verse again, ever. Um, where was I? I'm so sorry. I got distracted. My ADD kicked in. 23. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had never been or not been born. Verse 25. Then Judas, one of the, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Skip down to verse 47. Jesus is fixing to be arrested, and listen to what it says in verse 47. It says, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Not now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the, of the high priest, cutting off his ear. But the, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. You, do you think I cannot call for my, on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? And at that time, Jesus, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this is all taking place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, what? Deserted him. And fled. Now, if you'll skip the next chapter, 27, we'll look at verses 3 through 5. Actually, I'll start in 1. It's not on the screen, but I'll catch up to verse 3. It says, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people came to the decision to put Jesus to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And then verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and return the silver, the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Lots of lessons we can learn. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for, um, again, the lessons that we can learn um, through others. And I pray that we would learn a lesson from Jake and Judas today. Lord, we thank you for each individual that's here today. They're not here by accident. They're here to hear from you. And you brought them here for a reason. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts today. In your name I pray. Amen. Lessons learned from Jake and Judas. If you're taking notes, now's the time. Now's the time to take notes so that you can remember this. 
And you can apply it to your life when you when you, you face some of these things, okay? So I encourage you to take notes. The first lesson, I'll recap this real quick, and then we'll move on to our new lessons. The first lesson we learned, remember? Jake and Judas had a choice. Jake and Judas both had a choice. You say, well, no, no, Judas didn't. God made him. God never tempts us to sin. Judas had a choice just like Jake had a choice. Jake had gone on the cow drive and decided to go on his own. The second thing that we learned, the lesson that we learned, was both Jake and Judas were fakers. Remember that? I mean, we learned that, that, that uh, Jake, he, he was the charming guy. I mean, on the outside, in public, he was the charming guy. But on the inside and privately, he was an evil. He was bent toward evil. And it ended up taking his life. Um, Judas, it could have, you know, again, he, he was... One way on the outside, walked with Jesus, did all those things. But on the inside, he was a thief and a betrayer. Um, and, and so what did we learn from that? The lesson from that was we don't fake it, right? Don't be like Jake and Judas. Don't fake it. Come clean with Christ and truly believe. Then the number three was this. Jake and Judas put themselves, listen, put themselves in a position to be used by the devil. Did you notice that? I mean, Jake, I don't think they made Jake join the game, right? I don't think they made Judas join the priest and betray Jesus. No, what did Judas do? He went to them. He said, what can I do to betray Jesus? And so, again, the lesson is don't run toward evil, run from it. Jake and Judas, they ran to it instead of running from it. Psalm 34, 14, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And then number four, Jake and Judas, their sin led to remorse rather than repentance. Remember that? I mean, you can read it in the verses that Judas' Judas's, uh, sin led to his remorse, but not his repentance. Jake also could have gone to the sheriff, turned himself in, and may have been, even been able to receive a lesser punishment. But he didn't. He just showed remorse rather than repentance. Judas was the same way. He could have gone to Jesus. And he could have said, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sin. But he didn't choose to do that. What did they both choose to do? They both choose, chose to commit suicide. And so the lesson from that is remorse is not enough when dealing with sin. You have to repent. You have to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. So today, part three. Part three. Today I want to look at a couple more lessons that we can learn from Jake Spoon and Judas Iscariot. Here's number five uh, through our, our lessons. Here it is. Ready for this? You're taking notes. Are you awake? We're kind of quiet today. Do I need to pull out my Deuce of Hazard horn yes. on you guys? Yes. I mean, seriously. Okay, somebody get that ready for me. <laughs> number five is this. Ready? Jake and Judas had great teachers, had great friends, and were even leaders of some great things, but it wasn't enough. Jake and Judas had great teachers, they had great friends, and they were even a part of some great leadership, but it wasn't enough. Listen, Jake, he had been taught by the best. He had run with the big dogs. I mean, he, he, was, with, he was with Gus, who was the, the most amazing Texas Ranger and, the, and one of my most favorite characters in any movie ever. He ran with Captain Call, who was one of the greatest characters as well. He was taught by the best. Woodrow and Gus were respected everywhere they went. 
And he learned some great things for the leaders. But it wasn't enough. Jake also started out with a great group of friends that would take a bullet for him. I mean, his friends, Gus and them, and Deets and Dish, and all those guys, Newt, all those guys, they, they would have taken a bullet for him. They were trustworthy. They were good-hearted. But it wasn't enough. Jake had led some great adventures and was probably looked as, as a great leader of the Texas Rangers. But it wasn't enough. And then Judas, the, 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 the biblical character, Judas had, had the greatest teacher that has ever been known. I mean, do you get this? Judas walked the face of the earth with Jesus Christ. I mean, he went to the, the, the seminary of Jesus Christ. For three years, he was led by the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth. And it wasn't enough. <coughs> Judas had the greatest friends. I mean, the Bible says that he was one of the twelve. It says it more than once there. You know what that says? That says that's something special. Judas was one of the twelve. I mean, he's one of the twelve disciples. One of those that, that God had chosen, that Jesus had chosen to help serve with him. But it wasn't enough. Judas probably led some great ministry. I mean, we don't have any accounts of Judas being in charge of anything except for what? The money. We know that Judas took care of the money, and that's probably pretty important. That's important in our church. It's important in all kinds of churches. Then whoever takes care of the money is probably in a great leadership Position And Judas probably was a part of that. I mean, he was a part of that. But he was also a part of when Jesus fed the 5,000. Remember that? I mean, he was also a part of the Sermon on the Mount. He was also a part of when they cast out the demons. He was also a part of the healing of the sick. He was a part of the leadership. But it wasn't enough. What was missing? In Judas and Jake's life. You say, well, what was missing? If all that stuff wasn't enough, if they had great teachers, they had great friends, they even led some great things, and that wasn't enough, what was missing in Jake and Judas's life? I'll tell you what was missing. Love. Love. Uh, John 14, 23 says this. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching." My father will love him and he will come to him and make, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You know what Judas didn't have? He didn't have a love for Jesus Christ. He didn't have a love for Jesus Christ. Love for Christ equals obedience. And Jake and Judas didn't have it. Jake didn't have it for his friends. He didn't love him enough to do what was right. Instead, he chose to betray him. So, again, it's not just knowing these things, it's actually believing them. James 1, 22 through 25, it says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who, who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, which is the word of God, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Listen, he, he, they heard it all. I mean, Jake heard it from his, from his leaders. They heard, Jews heard it from all, Jesus and all the disciples. 
but it wasn't enough. He wasn't a doer of the word. He was just a hearer only. And you say, well, what's this all mean for us? How do I apply this to my life? Well, here's, here's the lesson for us today. You can go to a great church. You can come to Thousand Hills Ridge Church. You can hear some great teaching. Uh, you can be a part of what God's doing. You can even know people who love God. You can see the presence of God working in somebody else's life. You can even experience the work of God and still not be a child of God. You know why? Because you don't love Jesus. Jake and Judas had great teachers. They had great friends. They were a part of some great experiences, but it wasn't enough. You know why? Because they didn't love Jesus. Jake didn't love his leaders. Here's the next lesson, and we're done, right? Number six. Jake and Judas' life started out great, but it concluded, it concluded tragically. Let me say that again. Jake and Judas' life started out great, but it concluded tragically. I mean, you look at Jake Spoon. His life was great. He was a Texas Ranger. He had great friends. He was a part of something that stood for justice, honesty, and truth. But his life concluded tragically. And I'm not just talking about his hanging. I'm talking about his reputation, his character, and his choices. They were all disregarded. Because of all, all the things that he did, did good were disregarded because of his character, right? I mean, it, they started out good. Jay started out good, but it ended bad. I mean, he was a part of the three. Just like Judas was a part of the twelve. I mean, Jake was a part of the three. Woodrow, Paul, and Gus, and Jake, all three of them. I don't know about you, but I remember the, the, the part of the movie um, where Woodrow and Gus, they walk into the, the saloon. You remember this part of the movie? They walk into a saloon. And the bartender's looking at him like, why are you dusty cowboys in here? We have enough, remember he says this, yeah, we have enough dust in this for you guys not to be bringing more dust in. And then, and I'm not saying to get into a fight, but this is kind of cool, and I kind of liked it, because I'm a man. But anyways, if you don't remember this part, Gus, he, he, you know, he gets a little fired up. Woodrow sees it coming. Woodrow kind of backs away and kind of looks around, you know, and he kind of does this whole deal. And Gus grabs the, and, and the bartender says, that'll be a dollar. Gus is grabbing the money out of his pocket, and he sets it on the counter, and then he grabs the hair of the bartender, and he bangs his nose on the bar. Remember that? And he breaks his nose. And then what does he say? He says, I will require a little respect. And he says, if you'll turn your head, and he grabs his six-shooter, and he puts it in his cheek, and he turns the bartender's head, and he turns it toward a picture of Jake, Gus, and Woodrow when they were younger. And what does he say? If you'll turn your head and look at that picture, you'll see when we were younger, they wanted to make us senators. And so I'll acquire a little respect. Listen, Jake started out good. I mean, he was one of the three. It started out really good for him, but it concluded tragically. Right? And then you look at the same thing uh, for Judas. Judas his life started out well, too. I mean, he was one of the chosen twelve. I mean, Jesus chose him out of all the other men. One of the twelve. He walked daily with the greatest person that's ever walked the face of the earth. But his life ended tragically. He died not just by being hung, 
But he died a betrayer. And he died in his sin. His reputation is so bad that we're still talking about it 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years later. And he said, well, what's the lesson from, from this that we can learn? What's the lesson? Here's the lesson, and I want you to get this. This is really important. Listen to this. How your life concludes is more important than how your life begins. How your life concludes is more important than your how your life begins. And I, can I just say this? This is true in all the parts of our life. I'll give you an example. Your marriage? I mean, what do we do? What do we do in marriage? We have a wedding, right? I mean, we celebrate that first day of the wedding. I mean, the first day of the marriage, we have this big celebration, and I heard on average, I think people spend about $8,000 now on the wedding. <laughs> I would elope and take that money and run, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we celebrate the beginning of the marriage. We celebrate it. We spend all this money, but it doesn't really matter how you got married, what matters is the conclusion. The conclusion of your marriage. When you go to be with the Lord, if you know Jesus Christ, that's what truly matters. And that's what shows that you're truly committed. And some of you guys, I know that you're sitting here and you're going, I'm divorced, I've failed in that area. Listen, God can still redeem you. Amen? Amen? That is the truth. And listen, maybe it was your fault. Maybe it was your fault. But can I just say this? And I know we point out divorced people and we make a bigger deal about them. Your sin is no different than mine. It's just no different. Um, and so if you're here today and you're divorced and you think, well, I, my marriage was concluded, but it concluded in the wrong way. Listen, there's still hope for you. Just like there's still hope for me. And so again, we celebrate the first day, but what really matters about your marriage, and you may have a past. You may have gone through some hellacious stuff in your marriage. You may have cheated on her. You may have, you may have yelled at her. You may have done some other things. I mean, you may have done all these things. But listen, God can redeem your marriage, and you can finish stronger than when you started. Now, here's the other thing. I think about our church. I think about it, our church. And, and our churches began great. We've had some amazing things happen. We've had some people that have walked into this church that people go, dang, those people are in the church. I mean, really? I mean, the lightning didn't strike when that guy walked in? I mean, we've had people walk into our doors that haven't been in church in 20 years. And praise God for it. Amen? Yeah. Again, we're a church that is built and called to reach unchurched people. If you're a church person and all you want to do is be served, you're in the wrong church. We're here to serve the world. We're here to go into the world and to save those that are far from Jesus and make Jesus accessible to the world. And so, listen, we, we began good, but it doesn't really matter how we began. What, what matters is how we end. What matters is that we're still reaching out church people and we're still increasing the population of heaven on the last day that this church exists and Jesus returns. That's what really matters. And here's the last thing. 
You know what? We celebrate when people give their hearts to Jesus Christ, and we should. Yeah. When people, yes, yes. Can I get more than <laughs> Listen, we celebrate when someone gives their heart to Christ, and there have been any people that have given their heart to Christ. We're, we're going to probably have another baptism, and if you've given your heart to Christ in the past few months or the past year and you've never been baptized, we'd love to see you get baptized as well. But here's the deal. We celebrate that salvation experience. We applaud. We do all those things. But it's not really about the beginning of your relationship with Christ, although that's an important thing. It's how you conclude your relationship. Some of you guys, maybe you've, you've been stronger in your walk with Christ. You know Christ, but you've been stronger in the past, and now you're a little bit weaker. It doesn't matter. You can start over today. And you can say, God, I want to end my life stronger than it began. That's what he wants to do for you, and that's what he can do for all of us. And so, again, how is your life? How, how is your marriage? How is this church going to end? That's what truly matters. Are you just a hearer of the word? You just come sit on a seat and you just hear it, but it's not really in your life? You don't really love Jesus Christ with all your heart? You just come to church? You got to love it. Is your spiritual walk stronger now than it was a year ago? I know for some of you it is. And I praise God for that. Some of you, again, you've been through hell and back. And you've taken some wrong turns. But I want you to know that God can, can love you through it and help you put the past in the past. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. We're going to make this kind of personal, and we don't we don't invite anybody to the front. We don't have anybody looking around. But but how many of you guys would say today, you know, my ride with Christ, my my relationship, the trail that I'm on with Christ has been stronger, and I need to get back and allow Him to help me start over. How many of you guys would say that by raising your hand? Anybody? Thank you. All across the room. Thank you. Yeah, there, there have been times in your life, you know, where you, you love Jesus. I mean, you, when you gave your heart to Christ, I mean, it was a passionate thing, man. You felt the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and He was working in your life, but for some reason, and it, again, I'm not saying it's about a feeling, because it's not. But it is about a commitment and a love for Him. And so, can I just encourage those of you that said, you know what, my, my relationship with Christ is not as strong now. Can I just say these things? Finish strong. Finish strong. Whatever sin you got to get out of your life, whatever you got to give up, whatever you got to say no to, whatever you got to turn from, I, I just encourage you to finish strong. Don't be a, tra a, a tragic story. I don't want to have to tell your story at the end of life and end of your life when I'm at your funeral of how you you really had a tragic ending. And so finish strong. Don't wait till you're on your deathbed. Give it all you got now. 
Some of you would say, you know, I, I've come to church, I, I hear the teaching, I know all about Christ, I know what he's done, but I don't love him because I don't know him. Can I just clear this up? Church won't get you into heaven. Coming to church, sitting in a, in a barn, learning about Jesus is all great things. But they won't get you into heaven. You have to give your life to Him. You have to love Him with all your heart. And so, again, what lessons can we learn? We can learn that you can come, you can do all this church stuff, but it doesn't make a difference unless you give your heart to Christ. Here's how we're going to conclude our service today. Again, I want to thank everybody for being here. But if you if you say, you know what, though, I uh, I need to talk to somebody. Our elders, uh, we we have our elders for a reason, and they're here for the spiritual well-being of our church. And if you have something going on in your life that you need prayer for, I'm not the only one that can do that. Our elders are available. They're on the screen. You can see their picture. You can call them, text them, write whatever you need to do. And you can get a hold of them and you can say, I need prayer. I need you to sit down with me. I need you to go to breakfast with me so that I can tell you about my life and so that I can get my life right with Christ. I need some, some help. I need some guidance. Maybe some of you need to swallow your pride. Some of you are manly men, cowboys, and, and you just need to swallow your pride and say, you know what, I haven't done this on my own, right? I need some help. I encourage you to do that. If you're one of those that says, you know, I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know him personally. I know all about him. I've been to church, but I don't know him personally, and I don't love him. Come to us as well. Maybe you need to fill out a warning sheet out there on the table. Place it in the feed bucket, and we will contact you, and we would love to visit with you to, to show you how you can come to know Christ. It's a free gift that he offers everyone. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the lessons that we can learn from two tragic stories. And Lord, as we um, part today from this place, I pray that we would go out with a, with a vision and a desire to love you. Not just to come to church, not just to do the church thing, not just to act like it, but to truly love you. And that love equals obedience. And so give us the strength to do that. Lord, for those that have raised their hands and said, you know what, I'm not as strong today as I was yesterday or the day before or the year ago. Lord, strengthen them. May they pour themselves into the Word, uh, the Word of God, and may they study it, may they meditate on it, may they just take it all in so that they can grow in their spiritual walk. May they pray for opportunities for you to give them so that they can share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Strengthen them. Strengthen us all so that we can finish stronger than we started. We give you all the praise. Amen.